The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Jesus said, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I don't have too many TV shows that are currently running that I particularly enjoy watching. And if we had Netflix, though, I would be able to watch one of them. It's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I started liking that show back in seminary and watched a lot of it out in New Jersey and haven't watched it for a while, but I would if I had the opportunity. The reason I enjoy that show, it's by Jerry Seinfeld, a comedian, uh, is that he gets together with another comedian or an actor or celebrity of some sort and they have an unscripted conversation. They get in the different classic car, each episode fixed with microphones and cameras, and they drive around just talking. Now, it's unscripted, but of course it's edited to make it into a nice, tight little show, and what you get are the funny bits. For about 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, they drive around talking, and then they go to a restaurant and have a cup of coffee. Now, the shows are only as good as the people on them. Some people you think would be funny, they're not funny. Some people you think they would be a dud, and they're actually hilarious. I was uh, surprised, um, who is the fella? Alec Baldwin. Well, I guess you can't really talk about him in a positive sense now, but he was a lot funnier than I expected him to be. Well, you can find, if you go on YouTube when you go home, I think it's on YouTube, a supercut, a compilation of little bits from all of these episodes where they talk about particular topics, something that came up so often they said, well, let's just put them all together in its own little clip and people who are addicted to the show will watch it. Well, one of those supercuts is when Jerry and the person he is interviewing are talking about tipping at restaurants. They are there talking about how much do they give the waiter or the waitress whenever they go out to eat. There was one person, I don't remember who it was, where Jerry picked up the check and the person said, how much did you leave as a tip? 
He said, good. I said, good? Yeah, good. Show business good? Yeah, show business good. And they kind of laughed about it and moved on. But another one was a debate, and I think this person was Sarah Jessica Parker. And she, when she saw how much Jerry left as a tip, her eyes got really wide. I think it was a couple of hundred dollars for what amounted to a cup of coffee and maybe some waffles. She was amazed that he would leave such a big tip. And Jerry said, well, how can you not? They talked about how, of course, they could both afford it. You probably, if you uh, might not be surprised to know, Jerry Seinfeld is worth over $1 billion. He can tip a couple of hundred dollars if he wants to. He could tip a couple of thousand dollars, and it's not going to hurt anything. His bank account will be fine. And so he had this back and forth, and he, in, he incredulously asked Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, like, well, what do you think is going to happen? You know, we're going to leave the restaurant, the producer and the cameraman, they're all going to go, because this is a live restaurant with other people eating there and normal wait staff, and that waitress is going to go back there and say, oh my goodness, you just got to serve Sarah Jessica Parker and Jerry Seinfeld. And the first and really the only question is going to be, how much did they tip? How much did they leave? And you think if we left 20%, that would be a good thing? Do you think people would say nice things about us? They know we're famous. They know we're rich. Of course, you're going to leave a very generous tip. And that's what I want to talk about today. Not tipping, but I want to talk about generosity. Or more specifically, I would like to talk about charity, showing charity. Charity is something that you find all over the Bible. It's all throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. You find examples of it, of people doing charitable things for other people. You find exhortations to it. You should live charitably towards other people. Charity is central to morality, right? You can't talk or think about love your neighbor as yourself without the topic of charity coming into your mind. That is what that is. But what is the source of charity? When Christians live charitably towards other people, why? Why are we doing it? Why are we living that way? What drives, so to speak, the charity? Now, I don't think it's just because we are supposed to. Well, we're Christians. We have rules we're supposed to try and follow. So we're going to do our best to just be charitable, and that's as far as it goes. I also don't think it's because, well, like Jerry and his guests, there's witnesses to how we behave. And so, well, other people are watching, so we better do the right thing. We better be generous, good, and so on and so forth. Now, I think that when Christians, when we live charitably towards other people, if we are doing it right and have the right motivations, it's because we know what God has done for us. I want to give you an Old Testament example on King David and King Saul. We all know that Saul was the first king of Israel, and that soon after he became king, Saul disobeyed the Lord. He did something in an order that God told him not to do, and the Lord said, because you have done this, I'm going to depose you. You will not be king over Israel anymore. I'm going to pick somebody else, and he is going to take your place. But of course, the Lord also did not do that right away. He told Saul what happened, and for a while, Saul was still the king. Meanwhile, though, the Lord did pick a successor for Saul, and it was David, Jesse's son. But what did David do 
after the Lord, through Samuel, anointed David to be king. Did he take all of the popular support, all of the acclamation, all of what we might call the political leverage that he had gained from defeating Goliath and putting the Philistines to run? Did he use that to leverage his way into getting the office of king then and there? Did he challenge Saul to a duel? Well, you're king, but God anointed me king, so let's you and I go out of this field at dawn and settle this right now so we can have a clean break. No. For many years, David, even after the Lord said he would be king, he honored Saul as the king. Even when Saul was pursuing David, trying to kill him, David honored the man as the Lord's anointed. He honored Saul. And when David was given opportunity to himself kill Saul, he didn't take it. Only sent a token to prove that he could have done it. You see, in those instances, David showed a great amount of charity, undeserved even, towards Saul. It wasn't because David the man was weak. It wasn't because David was just a bad politician or he was cowardly. No, we know the opposite to be true, in fact. David showed charity towards Saul because David himself had confidence in the Lord. The Lord had anointed Saul, but he also knew David knew that the Lord had anointed him, David himself. Our behaviors, the way we live, are born chiefly, I'd say, out of mindsets. Our patterns of behavior, they're usually rather predictable and obvious. There are outliers, but how we think is usually a good signaler of what we will do. That's for everyday stuff, like how tidy a person is or how punctual they are. But it's also for bigger things like we're talking about this morning, like the topic of charity. Now, I want you to notice what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that circumstances are the biggest driver for behavior. Sometimes, of course, our circumstances do affect us. They do nudge us in one direction or the other, but I think that circumstances are a lot less important than a lot of people think they are. Think of David again. He could have used his circumstances of God anointing him, of Saul trying to kill him, and all the rest of the stuff he was going to, he could have used those circumstances as an excuse to rebel against Saul. But he didn't do it. Or again, on the topic of charity, think of the widow's might during the Gospels. When Jesus is there with his disciples in the temple, a bunch of rich Pharisees come up and throw money, lots of money, into the temple treasury, and then this woman who has nothing to her name comes up and gives a couple of coins, and Jesus commends her giving, saying she has given out of the lack that she has. She has given much to the Lord. Her circumstances, this woman, this very real woman, she could have used to justify giving nothing. I'm poor. I don't have anything. I'm going to need this money eventually for bread, clothing, or shelter, I'm not going to give it. That's not what she does. She gives it to the temple, gives it to the Lord. Neither David nor that woman were driven by their circumstances, but rather they were driven by their mindset, a mindset which fully and completely trusted in God, their maker and Lord. Which brings us to charity. The frame for our lives as Christians is not 
social convention, that is to say what other people expect us to do, how much are you going to tip, so on and so forth. The frame for our lives as Christians is not, and it certainly should not be, appearances. How will other people see what I'm doing, hear what I'm saying, and what will they think of me? And really, this might be the shocker to some of you, the frame for our lives as Christians isn't even morality. I, this is the right thing, so I have to do it. And that's just sort of the basic way we think. No. Our frame for our lives is that we are Christians. It's that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord and we belong to him. That all we are and do has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been shown charity by God himself in the deepest, most profound way imaginable. We'd rebelled against him, deserved nothing but separation from him, and what does he do? He saves us. He picks us up out of our sin and our death and calls us his own. And because of that, what are we but rich? Rich spiritually before God beyond all comparison. Our greatest need in life has been covered in full. So because of this, not only can we collectively and individually afford to be charitable and generous how we treat others, we actively want to when the circumstances and opportunity present themselves. The Good Samaritan did not begrudgingly care for the man that was attacked by the robbers. He generously did it. He had the means, he had the time, he had the opportunity but that he used them was born out of his desire to show mercy. And that's the desire that is best nurtured by being shown mercy ourselves, which we indeed as Christians most certainly have. Jesus Christ has promised that we are all his sons, his own. Our sins are covered and forgiven. Our future eternally is completely secure. And so with that knowledge, how can we not every day live our lives charitably towards our fellow men? Not just in what we give or do for them, but in how we even think of them, how we speak to them and of them. God has shown us mercy. Let us be glad then to pay that mercy forward. Amen.